0: Hi everybody and welcome to podcast number 53. Today I have with me a comedian, host and podcaster. In 2018 he was a Moose Moose National New Comedian Semi-Finalist, BBC New Comedy Award nominee and Leicester Square Theatre New Comedian Runner-Up. In 2019, he sold out his debut show, Essex Boy, in the Camden Festival. He has shared the stage with the likes of Alan Carr, Stephen K. Amos, Mo Gilligan, to name a few. A former radio personality on Pulse 88, it's Darren Griffiths. Welcome, Darren. Thank you for joining hey. us.
1: Hi, thanks for having me. Thanks for having
0: me. <laughs> now, you were actually born and raised in Harlow to Jamaican yep. parents and your debut show Essex Boy which did sell out at the Camden Fringe was based on being brought up in your family and and things like that and I, I really like your one where you've got the your barbecue one
1: your bar- <laughs> I, that, <laughs> yeah. that
0: makes me laugh so but when did you first
1: know that you wanted to do stand-up um I guess I first knew when um it was actually a sixth form. Um, where I had to present. We had a charity week, and I had to present the, the events that were happening that week. And um, I was really arrogant, considering I'd never done anything like that before. But I just thought, oh, I'll be really good at this, and um, and I did it. And it did go quite well. And I was I was funny. And it was when one um, of the teachers actually said to me, it "Wasn't the teacher who taught me?" He said, "Oh, you've got really good." Um, talent here like make sure when you go after uni you develop this talent um, but I did I just left it completely for years <laughs> and then um, I then came back into comedy um, I guess when I was 26 so yeah so good good eight years after I left it I didn't do any kind of comedy or stand-up at all that's incredible
0: so did you do any form of drama or anything like that at school or
1: just no 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 drama at all I did very boring A-levels <laughs> I did psychology business geography and uh, design technology <laughs> so no, <laughs> no, no performing <laughs> no, <really>. at all <laughs> so what do you think your comedic style actually is um, I guess I'm not, I don't think I'm particularly high energy um, on, on the stage. There's some comedians I see, they'll bring out instruments and they'll just be jumping up and down and screaming. And They'll think, right, I've got to follow that. <laughs> and, um, so, yeah, I feel quite conversationalist, um, observational. I try to be, yeah, uh, almost try to deliver my jokes as if they're not jokes. Like I'm just talking about something and then, then something funny just come up, although I've said it hundreds of times before but so yeah so I guess that, that's my style I'll try a bit bit sarcastic a bit of a give, give a bit of a know-it-all persona <laughs> on stage <laughs>
0: and, and do you actually spend hours and hours writing and writing and writing to get it right or are you just kind of on your way to the gig and think oh I'll try that
1: out tonight mix of both definitely mix of both so some things it, I will What I usually do is start with something that I I know has worked before and then sandwich in between the new stuff that I've fought on the train or on the car on the way there, realise that's not working, then immediately run back to the things I've done before, just (laughs) just to reassure the crowd that I know what I'm doing.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You definitely do. We've heard you. Um, So I'm going to talk about your charity now that you're involved in. Um, 100 Black Men. now. Um, can you tell me and my listeners a little bit more about the charity?
1: Sure. So um, what, what we are a community mentoring um, group. So what that involves is rather than just focusing on children, um, you focus on the actual whole family. So we have classes. So when we have our um, mentoring sessions, we'll mentor um, children between 10 and 15. And then their parents who have dropped them there will also have a separate session for them because there's no point giving these kids all these skills then they go back to a home environment where someone goes "I forget all that um (laughs) do do this um so yeah it's not for kids that are particularly in any kind of trouble or or uh, like it's not not it's not like underprivileged children it's nothing like that it's just simply um black kids who i guess uh, there is a stereotype and there's kind of, I guess there's some truth to it in the sense of, you know, black men being absent and not being in leadership roles in the black community. So mm-hmm. the whole idea of the 100 Black Men of London is where um, where, I guess, fathers aren't present. These kids can see what, you know, a black black male leadership looks like and where fathers are present, they can just get involved and be mentors and, you know, show their experience of, you know, what it's like growing up and teach up teach these kids um they've shown them something positive
0: so and how long has that been going for now
1: so the charity's been going for 20 years um i've been involved in it since 2016 um, literally 2016 is when I started comedy 20, 2016 is when I just started doing everything <laughs> like, <laughs> like I, I started comedy joined the charity started my podcast I think uh, a few months after that so 2016 was just the year that it all all kicked off but um, yeah that's when I joined the charity.
0: Wow so it, it, it's begun so within 20 years are some of the people that started um, coming along for support now Mentors themselves,
1: yeah, yeah, exactly. So that that's always like a really you know, great thing, and it's, it's a good example to show the, the young what we call the kids' diamonds. What we show the diamonds, um, yeah, it's great to have mentors who have been through the program. Yeah,
0: because it, it's always the same as it when you've experienced it, it. It's great. Now I've been looking through lots of your videos and things like that, but one of the videos I saw, which wasn't anything to do with comedy, was basketball. Now you're not sure. So, are, were you a basketball player yourself? No. No, you just enjoy, no. Did you enjoy basketball?
1: I don't, I don't what sort of video this is?
0: <laughs> oh, <there's a> video. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that clever. It's on your Facebook
1: page and the videos. <laughs> I, have, I have to check. I have to check. <laughs> this what <one> I upload. <laughs> no, I'm. I. I played basketball when I was at um, at secondary school. Um, simply because I was mildly athletic, I think, but we, we weren't a very good basketball team at all. Uh, I think through racial stereotyping, other teams thought I might be good and, and gave me way too much attention on, on the court and then he soon sussed out, and oh, no, he's not actually very good. So <laughs> don't, worry. <laughs> no, don't worry about it. <laughs>
0: so, um, um, now, during lockdown although it's been challenging for many, you've continued to make videos and there's also Lockdown Larry. Yeah. <laughs> I love Lockdown Larry. <laughs> <He's> brilliant. <laughs> How did you come up with that
1: idea? Um, do you, it was just simply through um, just people's comments on Facebook. Um, like some people literally wanted to break the rules and just want to do it with absolute impunity. And then you had other people who I just thought, that's none of your business what someone else is doing like, I, I was kind of in the middle like i I got it that some people were breaking the rules to see their elderly mother because they hadn't seen them like go for me, go ahead break the rules to see your mom but there's other people that she, I'm going to a rave. And there's 400 people there, <laughs> but um, yeah, and I just found like there was a lot of people just literally peering through their neck curtains, going, Oh, my neighbor's doing this, my neighbor's doing that, and ranting about it on Facebook. So it was kind of an accumulation of all of those people. I thought, Right, that's that's the character lockdown, Larry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and with your um radio, because you were um a former radio presenter on Pulse 88, so. Your music
1: taste? It's just commercial kind of R&B and, and rap and stuff. So I think before uh, before I got involved in the radio, I think like most people, think you, your music taste almost gets crystallised from what you liked between the ages of about 14 and 25. Like, that, whatever you like in that period, yeah. you stick with that. <laughs> that's, that's, that's your music taste. And then, um, and then yeah, and then... I joined the radio after and it forced me to start liking more up-to-date music and music I, and listen to artists I never usually listen to but good.
0: so were your family musical and uh, or enter because entertaining and all that
1: yeah actually so um my my dad he he was a singer I say was because he, he passed away when I was uh, nine but yeah he, he was a professional um performing an artists and when, when he did pass away they they um gave like an an obituary on on choice fm and stuff when he passed away my cousin he's he's a singer and he, he um he does supporting vocals for sade wow. um so then um my niece she's a, a bass guitarist my other cousin he's a music oh, wow. um, producer and my, so, very, very musical family, and um, and I, I felt when I was younger, I felt like an insane pressure to be good at music. Like I really wanted to be, but I just wasn't. Uh, I just didn't, I didn't have the focus, didn't have the dedication, didn't have just that. What I thought was, a, I think I felt I should have a natural talent and shouldn't have to work that hard. So having to sit there for guitar. And it just didn't sound how I wanted it to sound. <laughs> no, I, I just I just gave up very quickly because I don't want to do this anymore. So so,
0: <laughs> so, so you're the charm of the family then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the talker. Graham, is there anything that you'd like to ask?
2: Darren, I just from you you've been described as a mordant, satiric satirical comedian. Now, obviously mordant goes out of my
1: uh dictionary definition because it's over four letters what does it actually mean now i'm talking to you on my phone i can't just google what warden means i know when when the website was bad i was like that's a cool word and that, and that makes and that makes you seem very smart by using words that aren't used very often but i don't know what it means yeah. anymore well I, I i had to look
2: it. i had to look it up myself and it's a mordant sense of humour. And it's actually, having watched you and seen you live, it is exactly you. It's (laughs) someone having or showing a sharp or critical quality biting. Oh, there you go. I
1: knew there was a reason why i put it on the website.
2: (laughs) Alternatively, it's a substance, typically an an inorganic oxide that combines a dye or stain and thereby fixes a material. (laughs) So there it couldn't go.
1: have been that one. <laughs> <laughs> no, so you've exposed me for being a uh, an intellectual fraud, Graham. by I just, <laughs> just using I, the
2: facsory. I, 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 th- I, <laughs> I, <laughs> I thought to myself, I had to, look, I had to look at all these big words, and I thought, yeah, I'd have gone for some of those. <laughs> this is uh, no, but one of the one of the ones. Do you I, I haven't seen your live Darren? Do you? I mean, your control of the audience is impeccable. And oh, the way you move on stage was was I'm mean, I, I remember watching you absolutely impressive. Um is that something you worked on right from the start, that level of control, or is it just developed?
1: Um I think what what that's come from is um uh, maybe it's it, it's it's experience I've had that maybe other people in the circuit haven't had the chance to have. So um, you know, in, in the UK comedy scene. You do have kind of just the, the main circuit, and you also have like the urban or black circuit, whatever you want to call it. And with those shows, it's I guess it's a more um it's a more kind of honest and raucous crowd in the sense of I, I find like on the mainstream circuit, if the crowd doesn't like you, they'll just at least appreciate that you what you're trying to do. Like we we don't, it's not our taste, it's not our joke, but yeah, that's not a sense for you, but please continue telling your jokes. Where on the urban circuit, if they don't like your jokes, they will tell you they don't like your jokes, <laughs> and so you, so you have to quickly establish yourself on stage that if you don't like my jokes, you better not say anything. That you've got to almost give this air of control of I'm in charge here. So okay. listen, sit down and listen, <laughs> and you will laugh eventually. And um and the crowds are, are, are bigger crowds as well. It's a much more kind of shallow hierarchy in, in the sense of the circuit. So you don't have to go around for so many years. It's, someone might see you and then they'll put you on the show. And so, like, so for example, the biggest show I've done on that side is um, the Indigo Two, which is obviously two and a half thousand people. Um, so yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so having to walk out, that, that was completely different for me because so I'd done theatres where it's 400 people, um, but two and a half thousand where you can't actually see the people you're performing to and there's a, another tier of people above you that you can't see. And it's just like, right, How? where do I even look and focus my, my <laughs> joke-telling here? And you're trying to just walk, and the stage just seems absolutely huge. So you're just kind of walking around trying to keep their attention. So when it comes to a smaller room where there's maybe 40 people in front of you or, or 100, it's like, oh, this is, for me, like, this is quite easy to control the room and know where I'm looking and how to kind of bring mm-hmm. everyone in. So, yeah. Do you, do you find...
2: Uh, let's say from performing that was let's say from the as you said from the smaller venues to the really intoxicating but they're right up close actually looking and listening to every single word you're saying
1: yeah i i've definitely yeah i prefer a smaller room for that reason the intimacy and being able to see people's faces and knowing oh this like this row of people here they're literally following every single word i'm saying they're they're, they're smiling and they're smirking before I've got to the punchline because they, they've picked up on my rhythm so they've picked up on the way I tell jokes that they know I'm going to say something. Although I'm talking in a very serious tone, they know I'm about to say something utterly ridiculous <laughs> in the next few words. And yeah, so with a smaller crowd, being able to see those expressions and feed off that is is great. Whereas like, yeah, it does get lost in a bigger crowd where you just have to kind of perform into the ether and hope everyone's kind of followed your material whereas you get that immediate feedback yeah. when it's a smaller crowd
2: yeah with them um, with mentors do you have any particular mentor or were there any any people you followed it doesn't matter whether they're you know one of the greats or let's say an unknown mm. were there any like three people you'd say cheers thanks you gave me some really good advice or I just like, really enjoyed watching you on tv
1: yeah sure um I think because um, men- mentor wise there's i guess there's a comedian called slim um who has been on who's been doing comedy for for over twenty years um and he was someone that I'd seen on these big kind of shows wh- before I'd even considered doing comedy, so he was someone I was a fan of, and just kind of how um how kind of humble and gracious he was when i I just met him when i just started out. I wasn't even on the gig with him. I was just at a show and I said hello and he gave me so much time to talk to me. And then when I was actually on the show with him and he remembered my name from when he met me before and I was just like, all oh, right, I, if, he, if he's, for me, if he's that level and he's that kind of humble and down to earth, I need to always make sure I stay like that. Like, I mean, because you find there's people who've been doing comedy for three or four years they've done one or two decent shows and they're so arrogant (laughs) it's like you're no one um so that kind of that humility um and obviously he's a fantastic comedian so his style um filio (laughs) half as well um but obviously just a group of friends of filio half kazim jamal and jay handley i'm not sure if you've come across any of those guys but Jamal. um,
2: Yeah, Jamal, absolutely brilliant, and I think possibly Slim as well. Over the years, I
1: think I've caught him on the TV somewhere. Um, Yeah, so so those three—they, those three—they always um, kind of force me to not censor myself. So each time, I'm not. Should Should I say this joke? Should I say this joke? Go say it. You have to say it. It's funny. It's just just go for it, and then you say it, and it's like, yeah, I'm happy. I I got that joke out. Um, Yeah, so. I guess it's those guys that there'll be others but I can't think of the top of my head of who yeah if, you were, look um, up to. if you were let's say are you going to
2: go for let's say more fringes do you think like Edinburgh Fringe and have a the solid hour shows there do you think developing for next year or are you gonna obviously as live audiences come back you know obviously now you've done the two and a half thousand seats uh, <laughs> who, who knows but what's the do you think you'd still do the Fringe and the Fringe shows to prove yourself? Uh, I'd say not approving, but get the really solid one-hour shows and develop that.
1: Yeah, no, I know exactly what you mean. Um, it's difficult with the Fringe because it, it is so expensive, and I'd I have to do it with the mindset of I'm just doing it purely for for development or for the love of developing a show. Yeah, i think not not for any idea of this may progress my career immediately like someone's going to see me at the fringe I, I think that's what happens with a lot of people they go there they get spend five thousand six thousand pounds go come back not spotted haven't got this amazing sitcom deal for, <laughs> for BBC and then they go oh the fringe is rubbish and it's like well that isn't what the fringe is all about. Yeah. But um, I think I would like to do it just because it feels like a bit of a rite of passage, really. Just even if even if I managed to make it as a comedian without ever going to the fringe, yeah, yeah. I would still just want to go, even as an established note, and do the run just. Just to be a part of the French,
2: really. I'm just letting you know, Elaine, get my checkbook. This guy's worth doing, all right? It's 6,000. I reckon we can get him for five. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we're on. (laughs) 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 uh, If if the BBC were to come tomorrow knocking at your door, let's say, and said, right, we want a six-part series,
1: what do you think your budget would be? Oh. Oh. Well, what would I need, or, or what would what I think they would offer me?
2: <laughs> what, what do you reckon they're going to offer you?
1: <laughs> oh, oh, what what, they're, what they're I'm, not, I'm not sure. I don't. think They are be like I have to put up the money.
2: <laughs> In that case, BBC are on the door. Now I was, going to, I was going to ask a question: Is that going to come out? If, um, if you if you were going to. Uh, do you think you may develop into an actual a, a script writer? Do you think from the skills because you're, when you're doing a stand-up, it's easily seen that you've got full sketch and series behind you. When I listen, do you think you may develop that?
1: No, hundred percent. It's what what it is with me. It's just focus. It's just being able to sit myself down and actually think about an idea and commit to an idea. Because I started writing with two other guys before. Uh, the lockdown, and I found, and before then, I wasn't able to write. Like I think it was the kind of depression, the, the obligation of writing with other people. that it's like, okay, I agreed I'd write this amount, therefore I have to do it. Whereas if when I'm on my own, it's like oh, I've got an idea, kind of going around in my head, and I'll probably write the idea down tomorrow, and then I'll probably try to write a plot, and then yeah. I'll then start trying to write some dialogue and do some character development. And it never gets done. And then I'll watch something on TV and be like, oh, that's kind of like the idea I had, but it's not as good as (laughs) As, as, as I would have done. Um, So, yeah, I just need to sit down and, and think what I'd actually want to write and just do it. Even if it is just write the pilot. If I just wrote the pilot and write the treatment and just do that then that's so much better than what I've currently done, where it's just sat with ideas that just pass and yeah. disappear. You're in the area where you've got the opportunity,
2: you know, as you're doing the comedian and the stand-up, it's got the the free time to say, right, it's sunny outside, but I need to
1: be in this room. Yeah, that's the thing. It is that, like, and it's the mixed thing as well. Like, I, I, work full, I work full-time as well, um, yeah. so it's... And I can't even use that as an excuse of not doing it. Is but it, it's really com- it's really convenient in my brain as a trick of yeah. I, I don't have time. <laughs>
2: how do you how do you find the very last one, Dan? How do you find the travelling? Because obviously, you're you're pushing right up the ranks in the comedy level. The way it's going, you know, and, and it's only a matter of time, really. Oh, um, thank you. Uh, within well, I say let's say within three years at a maximum, it's going to be. And um, but do you? You know, how do you cope with, let's say, where people are expecting you to travel? Let's say, are you still expected to travel up to Liverpool, for example, or Glasgow or pop over to Ireland, as well as do your full time job?
1: Yeah. So with with those kind of gigs, um, what I tend to try and do is either tag it onto something else that I'm doing in the area at the time. So it makes it more convenient or makes it more enjoyable um, or. I will just simply just get to, um book a hotel book a room and just maybe book a half day at work the next day so I'll get up there do the gig stay the night and then just come back first thing in the morning and just head to work for, for like a half day um it's good isn't it that your your workplace is accommodating for yeah
2: yeah
1: no I understand it's um and yeah, if I just book the stuff enough in advance, I can kind of work it out with work. I'll I work and if I can kind of shift the time, I can work later in another day and then, oh, and that's, then i to build that that's
2: in. Um, no, but when you're living the dream, it's on the way, isn't it? That's that's the way. Yeah. You, that's, <laughs> the way you, that's the way you roll. <laughs> no, I'll pass you back to Elaine
0: now. Okay. No, that lockdown is restrictions are easing. Yep. Um, I know that you're about to have a baby in July, so congratulations yes. for
1: that. Thank you thank um,
0: you. hopefully we'll see you soon after. I know you're gonna take a little bit of paternity leave um mm. but are we going are you gonna be able to get out before the baby's um born? are you gonna yeah. uh, got any gigs lined up?
1: Yes, I do I do obviously I'm coming down to you guys Brilliant. <laughs> Good but um, no I' yeah from just, I think the eighteenth of May. Um, to the second, maybe second of July. I've just I've got gigs going on in that time, so yeah, this gigs we've, we've got a show show that I'm, I'm kind of um, producing rather than being just booked on is on the second of July, which is at Top Secret Comedy Club mm-hmm. um, on Saturday afternoon. So it'd be me and the three other guys, we're all doing twenty minutes each. Um, I think we're going to try and record it and stuff like that. So we're going to spend this month just trying to blow off the cobwebs, and then just record record that show. try to record it nicely, and then just have new clips for mm-hmm. for the new year to be able to you know show around and put put online and put on social media so people see us do stand up. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's the plan.
0: <laughs> and how long are you going to take off the comedy for the paternity leave?
1: Well, yeah, so baby's due on the 16th. I think she'll come early um but i i said really july july is what i'll I'll take off so if, if she come if she comes early it'll still just be july to give more time if she comes a bit later then i guess we'll take a bit of august mm-hmm. off but yeah I, w- I, w- I want to i don't want to just leave leave my wife um <laughs> okay. to do the baby. As, as yeah, literally. yeah, literally. Um, yeah, I have to keep reminding myself that she's not an expert at this either. It's her first time doing this as well, but, so I can't just assume because she's a woman, she'll have this kind of natural, <laughs> God-given maternal instinct just to know how to
0: <laughs> like that.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. I need to remember that. So it's so, like, okay, we're, we're in this together, and it is both of us on this learning curve. So. Yeah, definitely need to be there to to help out. <laughs>
0: Brilliant. Definitely get yeah. to see him before he goes off, just in case he decides he likes fatherhood too much. And
1: uh, no, I will. I will be back. I will definitely be back after. <laughs> I've already got a gig booked in August, so I'm committed to coming back.
0: Really? <laughs> and you're actually um your your podcast. Are you going to continue with those? Because you're doing them weekly at the moment on Griff's Brain Dump.
1: Yes, no doubt they'll, they'll be weekly. They they will be weekly, and I guess, I guess the first few of those after she's here will just literally be about <laughs> about <laughs> babies and, and and what I'm working out with that really. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I was, I was running out of things to talk about, so I had a baby. <laughs> yes.
0: so how can people actually follow you? You've got your website.
1: Website, uh, website is uh, Darren Griffiths com um so Darren spelt D-A-R-R-A-N which I was meant to actually here's a question I was about to ask you Elaine um, because you've obviously had Griff on before who is also Darren Griffiths yes who, <laughs> who, um, and your really Griff, the, you're Griff the Joker as well so. well I've changed I've changed it now just, I've changed it so we could have just more separation because he right. goes by Griff so I was like, right, if he just goes by Griff and he just has Griff as his thing, and I just have Darren Griffiths as my thing, then people will be able to separate us. But I want to ask, when you first spoke to me, was it after speaking to him? Because <laughs> I remember when we first met Yes, on, yes.
0: On I said to him, um, no, no. It was, he, we spoke to you before, because you were one of our first gigs last year. And we, but he came when we've gone back inside and he came and I said, Oh, great, this is really funny. This is, this is a Darren Griffiths as well. Because it
1: happened because this is what I was happening. It was I kept not get tagged in different gigs and I, was just, and I didn't know he existed and he didn't know I existed. And there was just this thing of I couldn't be in tagged in gigs and just going to people like you've met me before and we've spoken before and have we, I, I can't remember if I'd book this gig or not like I was always very British but very apologetic (laughs) I was like oh sorry did I book this gig because I don't remember doing it I'm really sorry if I said I could because I'm not free oh and rather than anyone saying to me sorry I've tagged the wrong Darren there was oh it's okay and then they'll just move on (laughs) and I'm like right and then it happened a few times until someone until I saw a picture and then my social media handle and I was like oh that's not there's another cool. guy floating about <laughs> so we'll actually be on the same gig in um at the end of may we're going right. to be on the same that's going to be on the same show for the first time so that's going to be our first time actually meeting each other as us so, so that'll, that'll be good to actually finally meet him
0: <laughs> that'll be really good he he's um he's quite a character so uh yeah <laughs> so. <laughs>
1: As I do, yeah.
0: but different. <laughs> You're obviously different. That's all
1: yeah. I'm saying. But um... so, so, so my social media has changed now. I've changed them all. So it's not Grifter the Joker anymore. It's I've just it's just Jamaican lad. Jamaican <laughs> underscore lad is what I've got. Because I thought, I talked about being Jamaican. Yeah. Uh, I'm a bit of an Essex boy, a bit of a lad. Yeah. So I thought, if you put those two words together, it's what people will probably remember from what I've said on stage yeah. and stuff. So that's just Jamaican lad. But it's still Darren Griffiths that's my name on on everything so you'll still be able to find me if you just search Darren Griffiths find you that's all right I know
0: I I had about 20 emails and messages to you when are you free when are you free when are you free (laughs) so that'd be brilliant and we are really really looking forward to seeing you soon and good luck with the baby and thank Thank you for joining us today and thank you listeners for listening thank you Bye. bye This has been a podcast recording for Whole Lot of Comedy.